Welcome back. My voice may be a little unique this week because I'm dealing with some seasonal allergies, and I appreciate your patience. Thank you for continuing the journey as we figure out the ROTC program in episode 53 and focus both on my approach to the learning environment as well as the important role of preparing young women and men for their careers in the United States Air Force. Just like any profession, a new location, new people, and in my case, a very different environment from eight plus years on staff assignments is all the makings of culture shock. In addition, not long after I arrived, Colonel Kalar retired and in came Colonel Stripmatter. For ROTC, a leadership change can be a bit more significant because bringing in such a senior leader in charge of thousands of people and millions of dollars and resources to a program on a college campus can, shall we say, be interesting. Both the cadets and the staff are doing their research to find out who the new person is from what we can find out online. Colonel Kalar liked my initial plan for the academic credit project and, well, cautiously optimistic because so many had failed. I committed to him that I would do my level best to get the project to the finish line. Colonel Stripmatter came in with a highly credentialed career to include assignments at the very prestigious Air Force Tactical Fighter Weapons Center, which is one of the premier assignments for a rated officer. He was a former test pilot as well as a former wing commander, and his career leadership would be very important and inspiring for the cadet wing, especially those seeking pilot slots. The big question was, what is his leadership style going to be like, considering the factors that I just mentioned? As I look back, he was a lot like Colonel Horney. He was confident in his people, gave latitude to new ideas, and perhaps most of all, he was supportive and an active participant in the cadet wing. When we had PT at 6 a.m., he was out there with us. When we did drill at LBJ, he was there. All said, I very much enjoyed working for him. Oh, and yes, the cadet wing roof-stomped his house, too. He lived a bit north of the city and again in a new development, and the cadets had a bit of a challenge to get there. I don't recall if they relied on the fire department for directions. So all in all, things were shaping up well. Since the assignment is a defined three-year tour, having the same commander for the majority of the time was certainly an advantage. I had to take a moment to recognize one of the luminaries at UT was Dr. Hans Mark. Dr. Mark was the former Secretary of the Air Force under President Jimmy Carter. You can likely imagine that he had an interest in the Air Force ROTC program in a very supportive way. I'll share more about my personal relationship with him as events unfold during the assignment. He also had our students in classes in the aerospace engineering discipline. I won't go through his entire bio. It's impressive. He was the director of the Ames Center at NASA under President Reagan, and he was the chancellor of the University of Texas system until 1992. Everyone knew Dr. Mark, and that we had a special relationship with him with ROTC was a wonderful benefit. He was never intrusive and always ready to lend a hand with his prestige and clout whenever he could. Dr. Mark only recently passed in 2021 at the age of 91. Whether you are a student or a staff member at the University of Texas at Austin, you are part of a community and there are three aspects that bring true camaraderie to the campus. Like any university, the school colors are seen everywhere and as a top-tier school, 
you likely have seen them if you follow college sports. They are the famous burnt orange and white. Being in Texas, the campus community members are known as Longhorns. And finally, there is a hand gesture known as hookum, as hookum horns. The sign is made by extending the index and pinky fingers while grasping the second and third fingers with the thumb. The arm in use is usually extended, and the sign can also be given with the arm bent at the elbow. The sign is seen often at sporting events and during the playing of the school song "The Eyes of Texas" and during the fight song "Texas Fight." It is one of the most recognized hand signals of all American universities, and I don't even know William and Mary's fight song. The faculty and staff of ROTC are there for a much shorter duration than most faculty, and learning the when, how, and where the hookum etiquette was very important. You all know I had an atypical journey for my own undergraduate education, and I had an additional learning curve being on campus. The curriculum was established by headquarters ROTC, and there were two options: you could create your own curriculum, or you could use their materials. I went with the former and kept the other as a foundation to build on what I hoped was a better instruction model, as well as more information that seemed to better prepare the cadets for active duty, since I had the seniors. While the first semester of the senior year was focused on national security strategy, it was the second semester that was, in some ways, more important. I looked at my role as giving them the head start to their acculturation into the active duty Air Force. Pilots, navigators, and missileers would typically go immediately to their training base, while most support officers would go to their assigned unit and attend their occupational specific training later when a slot was open. One of the big differences between OTS and ROTC is that many at OTS were coming from the civilian workforce and then to active duty. For the most part, ROTC cadets were not only going into leadership positions in the military; they were going into their first full-time job. The whole experience was just amazing to see and learn. There were, of course, aspects of cadet life that were even more different from their student peers beyond the formal ROTC requirements. For example, maintaining a misdemeanor-free life was important. Cadets had the responsibility to report any infractions to their class instructor, and that included things like parking tickets on the campus. The campus police also reported them to our office as well. And sometimes it would be, "Let's see how long a cadet waits to let us know." As we all know, unlike wine, bad news does not get better with time. Depending on the infraction or the number of infractions, probation or immediate dismissal from the program could be the result. Fortunately, those cases were few and far between. The Air Force values of integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do were hammered home in nearly every interaction with the cadets. Another unique aspect to our program was that grades were reported to the staff, usually just ahead of when they're released to the students. A certain GPA had to be maintained, especially for scholarship students. We had scholarship students who earned a four-year scholarship right out of high school, and some that earned a two- or three-year scholarship for those that joined the ROTC program after starting their college career. We would have regular interactions with cadets throughout the term. 
about how their other classes were going, and more often than not, got the word that the semester was going very well. Then we might get little surprises, like classes were dropped, or things might not have been going, well, quite so well. Wishful thinking isn't the best academic plan for success. To earn an ROTC scholarship right out of high school, one of the major disciplines to study is engineering, and it's not an easy one. Sometimes, students would be recommended to change their major or make other adjustments to ensure their success both in completing their college degree and their goal of becoming an Air Force officer. One of the unique situations that we would get were calls from parents to see how their son or daughter was doing, and they wouldn't be happy that we couldn't provide them with anything other than the very general information. Some would say, but I'm paying for some of this, or how come you can't tell me what they're doing, what's going on, or all kinds of things. And some would actually come by the detachment for those that live fairly close to Austin. In as nice a way as possible, we just have to tell them that maybe they should have that conversation with their daughter or son, since they are adults. All that being said, there would be that occasional need to go to bat at the regional or national headquarters, and since we knew the cadets best, we could either let the rules take over, or we could interject and work to save those that we felt had great potential beyond the academic or other infraction. When I was a commandant of cadets, one of my ways to help alleviate some of these surprises was I would ask upper-class cadets to mentor newer cadets. And this system worked pretty well. The whole idea was that new people would have a go-to cadet who could answer questions and give advice for someone who might not be comfortable asking the staff. There were several examples where this system helped both the cadets that were new as well as experienced for older cadets to mentor new ones. About this time, I'm coming up from Major Below the Zone. Selection rates below the zone to major were a fractional percentage, maybe 1% or 2% at most, so a promotion by someone early was a slot that an in-the-zone officer would not make it on the other end. Once the officers are selected for promotion, however, the order that they pin on the new rank would be their date of rank to captain and not in the order that they were ranked for promotion. Getting a below-the-zone recommendation was also a long shot for an ROTC faculty member. Since we were in a small organization, and even the entire region, we didn't have enough eligible officers to earn a slot outright. Therefore, for me, I would have to compete not only among all eligible ROTC instructors, I would also have to compete with all the eligible officers at both the ROTC headquarters and the eligible officers at ATC headquarters. Let's see. The wise gambler would say any selections were more often than not those with command experience or those that are on the staff. I'd actually get the nod. I was nominated below the zone to major, and, as I said, the chances were slim. I had plenty of awards, substantial medals for an officer of my time in service, and a pretty successful career. Yet a support officer who was at ROTC was probably a hurdle too great to overcome. You know what they say, it's an honor just to be nominated. What I would do was to use this example in my view throughout my career that every job in the Air Force is important. 
If it wasn't, we simply cannot waste personnel resources on them. And no, I didn't get promoted below the zone. And I come up for major in the zone the following year, so I felt pretty confident of my chances. I had already shown that I could compete pretty well, and secondly, by this time, our year group had been hollowed out, so we had fewer officers than when we started from that process, as well as normal attrition. And again, the smart money was that the promotion rate would also be higher. Spoiler alert, it was. This has happened so many times in the Air Force, where they hollow out a year group or two because of budgets, new administrations, you name it. The end result is we still need people in certain jobs across the Air Force at certain grades. About this time, I was also beginning to wonder what to do about my personal life. I'm getting older, and still, despite the liberal city that Austin was, I had to be mindful of my career and position within the university community. When I was in Washington, especially after Don't Ask, Don't Tell, I did respond to a couple of ads, and I had a couple of dates. So the ad route was kind of my plan. This was long before dating apps, or maybe it was, I don't know. I actually did meet a very handsome and nice guy. I'm calling him Gary for the purposes of the podcast. Gary was younger than I was, and he worked with the HIV AIDS support organization in his town. Initially, my plan was just to meet other people, and I met Gary. The plus with Gary was that he was well outside Austin, two plus hours away. The negative was that he was well outside Austin, two plus hours away. Anyway, we started to see how this would go. We started getting together on weekends, and normally he would like coming to Austin because it was the big city since he lived in a pretty small town, and he was very familiar with Austin. When he didn't come to Austin, I would go to see him, and driving that distance in Texas is just not fun. Yet, we still did it. We would go out to eat, go to the movies, and I guess typical things that people do. I remember one day he called me and asked me if I wanted to go to the circus. Hmm, the circus, really? I'm thinking, isn't that really kind of for kids? Alas, we would get to see each other, so I said, sure. Okay, the plan was, you come to my place, and then we'll go to Houston together. What? Wait, this is an activity that I wasn't super up for, and now we're driving to Houston? What kind of circus is this? And the tickets were like $100. And he said, well, wait, they're really good seats. Well, you know what? They better be. I better be sitting on the elephant. It's kind of the circus. It was Cirque du Soleil. And the first time I had even heard of them. It was amazing. And we were right up close. I'm glad I didn't just think, let's just go to the movies instead. He had some friends that also lived in the Houston area, so it was just a great weekend overall. In my mind, things were going pretty well, so we spent a lot of time in Austin and where he lived. In addition to spending time with Gary, I explored outside Austin. Lake Travis was a great place to go and relax, and I spent time in the yard, which was both relaxing and really, no, actually it wasn't relaxing. It was too hot. Plus, I wasn't spending a lot of time in the backyard. After all, reptiles Certainly don't know how to go from the backyard to the front yard, right? By the second summer that I'm there, I'm out there in near 100 degree heat and I decide I cannot nor do not want to mow the lawn any longer. I've got to find someone to do this. As luck would have it, soon after I thought about this, 
there was a hanger on my door that said lawn service, mowing, edging, raking, and removal, all for just $15. $15? This had to be a mistake. Oh well, I was willing to call to start my research about how much it would cost to have my lawn mowed. The person who answered the phone was clearly a very young man. Pretty young, in fact. He said that the price was correct and he was starting out and figured he could price the service reasonably so that he could get some customers. Okay, when can you start? Today. Oh, how about next week? Sure. So he set up a time and a truck, yeah, what a surprise, we lived in Texas, pulls up. A very young person gets out of the passenger side, gets some equipment out of the back of the truck, and I hear him say, okay, mom, come back in about 40 minutes. Yes, he was too young to drive. Guess what? He did an amazing job. If you're going to do a job, do it right. I could see that his parents likely told him that people are going to pay you and they won't ask you back if you do a sloppy job. He was also smart, in my view, with his pricing plan. Who in their right mind would just pay someone $15 for all that work, even if it is just $19.98? When he was done, I went out, paid him, and told him the job was his. Come every two weeks. Let me know when you're coming, and if I'm not here, I'll let you know where the money is. He had the code for the garage door, and I also told him to use my equipment. No, no, he preferred to use his own. By the time I moved, he was actually driving himself to the job. He never raised the price, but by the time I moved, he was making about $40 a visit. The quality never waned. There are lots of good lessons for people today in this story. Do a job and do it well. Every job is important. Be smart. Have 100 customers at $15 or 10 customers at $30. You're going to make more. Think of all those school and church car washes of yesteryear. Those that were free, donations only, would make far more than those who said car wash, $5. Ask for $5, probably get 6 or 7 Ask for donations, probably get 10 or $20. So that horrible task was taken care of and he could deal with Mr. Snake. There was a time that I was away when I was at the ROTC summer field training and the sprinklers got stuck open. The young man called me and I had a neighbor turn the main water off. Maybe we drowned the snake at the same time. Wouldn't that be great? Well, folks, that's all for this week. Soon, you'll hear about the ups and downs of my accreditation project, some cadet antics, as well as some pretty inspiring stories. You'll also hear a story that was the most memorable with an outcome that is an example of resilience, courage, and friendship. Have a great week. Be kind and watch for a new podcast coming soon. I'm launching a news commentary focused podcast on business and finance and serious news of the day. It's called News Isn't Funny Until It Is. Kona sends her best as well.